This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation. We've already got an hour in the books. If you're just now joining us, we actually signed on at 1 o'clock today, filled in for JT the Brick. He's out at a Raiders golf tournament today, so that's going to be exciting. We'll hear some fun and exciting stories from JT tomorrow on the show from noon to 2 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So your boy filled in today from... One o'clock to, well, one to four today, which you know I'm okay with. I'm all right with that. Also, we're live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ in Henderson. It's great to be back in the studio again here. I've uh, been gone from the studio for a couple weeks as, you know, had the bye week and obviously things going on around the team. So uh, back in the fold, I know the morning tailgate, uh, Heidi Fang and Clay Baker were here this morning. They did a fantastic job. I'm here today, and Vinny Bonsignor will close things out this week on Thursday. He'll be sitting right where I'm sitting, right here at Raiders HQ. Uh, had a lot of good stuff in that first hour. We talked to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, talked to all things about the game on Sunday against the New York Football Giants. Also talked a little UNLV. That was a good conversation. I always like to catch up with Graney. Coming up at 2.30, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus will be our guest. Talk to him about Raiders drafts and where the Raiders can go from here and what they did when they went and selected guys like Damon Arnett and other guys in the first round that may not have been necessarily first-round draft picks because, look, the draft is not a, is not a perfect science. Every team kind of conducts their own, own uh, approach. They take their own approach to things, and some work out really well and some don't. So we'll talk to Austin Gale at 2.30 from Pro Football Focus, 3 o'clock. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle will join us. Talk all things NFL. We'll talk about that terrible taunting penalty that happened in Monday Night Football. Talk about some of the terrible rules and the overreactions that the, uh, the, the referees and the NFL in general do. One overreaction I could think of is when the Saints had that awful uh, that pass interference play happen to them when the Rams defender uh, clearly hit the, hit the wide receiver super early. Should have been a pass interference penalty called. It wasn't. Then the next year, all of a sudden, pass interference became reviewable. Thought that was a dumb overreaction then all of a sudden they went away with it now all of a sudden they're talking about taunting they want to make sure that you know sportsmanship and don't incite any kind of uh fights or whatever and you know how many times you see a, a actual melee on the football field in the nfl not very often i'll take my chances so i think that this is going to be a one and done thing i don't think that this is going to be something you're going to see uh, after this season, but right now you're seeing it and it's terrible. So we'll talk all things NFL with John McClain coming up at 3. Uh, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News. Sports covers every sport here in Las Vegas, but covers UNLV like a glove. She was on hand there in New Mexico as UNLV came away with their victory. We'll talk to her about that. Plus, we'll talk to her about the Hoop Squad, the Running Rebels, as they get their season underway starting tomorrow. How cool is it that college basketball is back? Huh. I can't wait to watch Kentucky and Duke tonight. I believe 6.30 is when it tips off. I was so excited about this game. I ain't going to lie to you. Me and my dad were sitting at my house last night. We were going through the channels looking for it on TV last night. <laughs> it's like, I think it's coming on at 930. And I'm like, Dad, I think 930 is a little late for the game. No, I think I saw on the guy at 930. And I was like, I saw it too, but I think it was 930 Eastern. So I think it's, I think it's already over. We were both wrong. It, it was at 930 Eastern. So it's 630 
our time, Pacific time, but it wasn't last night. It's tonight. So there you go. Adventures of me and my dad. We're both looking for something on TV that we weren't going to find. It's just how it happens. So we'll talk to Paloma, all things UNLV, coming up at 3.30. But right now, Raider Nation, want to hear from you. Have a couple different subjects we've been talking about here on today's show. One, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., he cleared waivers. Raider Nation, do you want to see the Raiders make a move for him? There's certain teams that have already been rumored to be very interested in him, and he's very interested in like the Green Bay Packers, the Saints, the Patriots, among others. Haven't heard the Raiders' name associated with them. I'm just throwing out the question. I don't think that he's a good fit with the team. I don't think that the Raiders need him. If anything, I hold my water and I wait till next season and I go and give a full court press on Devontae Adams to try to get him. I almost do anything possible to go get him. I just think he's that big of a difference maker. But again, that's just me. So I want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also the Sam and Ash text line, wide open like some old school TV antenna, 69187, keyword R&R. Let's start things off with uh, Johnny. John in Connecticut. What's on your mind, John? Welcome to the show. Hi, Q. How you doing? Hope things Good. are well. Yep. Um, I just want to start off by agreeing with the previous caller. Pump the brakes on Mayock. Okay, patience pays off. Okay. Uh, if you look at our history, in the recent history, we've never had patience, hardly. A lot of turnaround. I think we stay with it. Um, observations for the game real quick. A couple of things. One, no red zone offense. Uh, the pick six, the special teams failed, and um, but I think we're going to be all right. The run defense was soft, totally agree, but I have total confidence in Gus Bradley. Uh, OBJ, no, negative, don't want him. Um, I think Deshaun Jackson is going to fit perfectly. If you look statistically at him, He's been productive at 35 years old. Right. It could be the old Raiders signing old vets who <laughs> right. still got some love for the game. I totally agree with that. And that's about it. I just want to, I'm in Connecticut. I'm close to New York City. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to my brothers down in Manhattan and the Silver and Black Empire, John, down at Julie, uh, John, Peter Dillon's bar. Johnny runs the club. We have a saying in the Northeast, Q, it's called Shields Up to the Raider Nation. Shields up, brother. Take care. Nice, nice. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. And, man, if I knew the Shields was up and you had the hookup at the club, your boy would have been in New York last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you had told me, you should have called me last week and be like, Q, I got the hookup. You ain't even got to go to the game. All you got to do is come to the club with me. It would have been on, man. You know your boy is always good, good for a good time, man. I'm down for a good time at all times. I am down like four flats on a dump truck. Or a Cadillac. I prefer a Cadillac. But thank you for the call. In all sincerity, I do appreciate you. Uh, got a couple texts. And, and, and DeMond, I want you to have the soundbite of Mike Mayock. Talk. It's the first soundbite from yesterday's teleconference. Uh, and I believe it was um, Levi. It was Levi. No, it was Levi uh, Damien from uh, USA Today uh, that said, that asked them about were there, uh, you know, character questions when it comes to Damon Arnett. Not yet. Don't play it yet because I want to read this text first, uh, the Sam and Ash text line at 69187. To blame Mike Mayock for what happened with Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett off the field is totally unfair. And I don't know who the text is from because it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a, a name. But it, th- that's a text. To blame Mike Mayock for what happened with Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett off the field is totally unfair. Now, Damon, before I answer that, play the soundbite. 
from Mike Mayock yesterday talking about if there were character concerns when it comes to Damon Arnett. Yeah, we came in, and, and let's let's back go back a little bit here. In 2019, when I got here, I mean, we talked a lot about foundation players and high-character players. And the 2019 draft class, I mean, just off the top of my head, it was Clay Farrell, Josh Jacobs, John Abram, Mullen in the second round, uh, Crosby and Foster Moreau in the fourth round. Hunter Rand- yeah, yeah, that's not the one. That's not the one I want. The one I want is the very first question when he was asked if th- was there character concerns when it comes to Damon Arnett. That was from Levi, uh, Ed, uh, not Edward, excuse me, Levi Damian from USA Today. It was the very first question asked, and then I followed up with that question that you just played the answer to. I hate doing it on the air producing, but that's just what we do sometimes. I'm, all, I, I'm, I'm in a zone right now. You got that one? Give me a second. Read some more text. Oh, man. Damn. All right, well, we'll get to that in a minute. All right. Got a tweet from Marin Raider. Good show, Q. Biggest questions for me regarding Mayock. Is the roster better when he joined? Is the coaching staff better when he joined? Is the team more competitive? Answers a strong yes for me, all three. Definitely some, is- some misses, but body of work is positive. And I can agree with that, but with that being said, that also was not him solo bolo. That also was... You know, with the company and the help of John Gruden, and I've said this multiple times, you can't say that the good the good parts of the team were all Mayock, uh, you know, effects, and the bad parts were Gruden. I mean, you just can't unless you know for a hundred percent exactly what he had control of and what he didn't. For I mean, for what I think, and this is just me thinking, Gus Bradley has been a godsend. You know, Ron Miles has been a godsend. Um, Richard Smith has been a godsend. Those all guys, all those guys came with Gus Bradley. I believe that that was John Gruden's relationship that got Gus Bradley, and that has got this defense turned around. So I understand where you're coming from, uh, and I do think that he'll probably get another year. But again, that's just my gut feeling. That is, I, I have no idea. I absolutely, no, I have no idea. But off top, I would just think that that there is a good chance of him getting a, 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 an opportunity to show what he could do as the guy instead of the guy under the guy, if that makes any sense. Now, real quick, I want to go to that soundbite again from Mike Mayock from the teleconference yesterday when Levi Damian from USA Today asked, were there character issues when it came to Damon Arnett when they decided to draft him in the first round? Yeah, there was significant concern, and and most of the teams around the league were very aware of it. Um, We spent an awful lot of time trying to understand his behavior and really what kind of tilted everything in the direction of, okay, let's go ahead and draft him, um, was that we knew that coaching staff pretty well. We knew what they had asked him to do his last year at Ohio State. They felt very strongly that they knew who we had on our staff and that we'd be able to work with this young man and not only help him on the football field, but help him in his life. And, um, you know, obviously in hindsight, we weren't able to do it. And I know people, were, a lot of people, including myself, we were all concerned about this. But we, at the time, we thought it was an acceptable risk. And obviously it's painful on all levels. So there it was right there. That was a soundbite I wanted to hear. Thank you, DeMond, for, for finding that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put that on you, uh, you know, on the fly like that. But thank you for, for being able to make that happen. So in response to the text, it says, to blame Mike Mayock for what happened with Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett off the field is totally unfair. Not necessarily. 
And again, I go back to say, I'm not putting the blame on Mike Mayock 100%. I don't think anything that happened was 100% on Mike Mayock, good or bad. And I don't think 100% of what happened, good or bad, was on John Gruden. Again, this is something that you've got to take as a, as a marriage-type situation. They both had a role in everything, and there's significant concern. They thought they could help them. I mean, what about that does not let you know that, yeah, by the way, there's some red flags here. That we're taking a big risk, but we think that the risk is better than, you know, is worth the reward. The reward is going to be greater than the risk. It wasn't. Again, I'm not mad, and I'm not saying that, oh, you know, you've got to pay for that. I'm not saying that because I've said multiple times that sometimes you've got to take a chance on an edgy guy, and I'll take Micah Parsons, for example. I don't think there's one cat that, that is a Raider fan that wouldn't want Micah Parsons on the Raiders right now. Does he have a few issues in his past? Sure. Yeah, he does. But he also looks like he's figuring it out. He's a really good player. Sometimes you roll the dice and take a chance and hope that you, you, don't, you, know, you don't crap out. Well, unfortunately for the Raiders in this situation, they crapped out. I think everyone realized when they selected Arnett that a cornerback was the, probably the best, the best option at that. I had said A.J. Terrell had been the guy that I had talked about for months leading up to the draft because they went after Clemson dudes. So I thought they would team him up with Trayvon Mullen and it would make a lot of sense. And honestly, maybe that's what they do if he was available when the Raiders selected at, uh, at, at number 19. He wasn't. The Falcons took him a couple picks ahead of time, which was a surprise to me. I thought that they were going to go take C.D. Lamb, who was available, who ended up dropping to 17 to, uh, to the Cowboys. 17, right? Yeah, 17 to the Cowboys. Either way, I, I thought cornerback was the right call. I just didn't know that that was the direction they were going. Arnett was never on my radar. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and be like, oh, I knew that that was a good pick. I, I never, he was not on my radar at all. So I was shocked, but then I thought, okay, well, hey, if he's, you know, that old school flavor type DB, get in your face, real gritty, make everything tough on you, cool, great. That's, that'd be awesome. And that's what was said. This is the kind of guy that can play man-up defense, beat you up on the line of scrimmage, and make it very difficult. He's the guy who made Jeffrey Akuda, uh the, the you know number three overall pick for the Detroit Lions. Obviously, that hasn't worked out very well either. Might want to stay away from Ohio State defensive backs. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Uh, one quick text, and then I'll get to Rossi in Australia. Uh, Q, something we're forgetting. Paul Gunther was the defensive coordinator when Arnett was drafted. Do you think he had some say in drafting Arnett? I believe Gus Bradley had say with Gruden and Mayock in this year's draft, and so far the defensive picks seem to be clicking. Um, possibly. I'm sure he had some input. I don't really know, and I don't want to sound disrespectful to Paul Gunther. I don't know how much his, his say meant in the draft. I really don't. Um, I think that, in, especially in that draft, I think everyone realized that Paul Gunther was uh, kind of on his last leg. If he didn't get things figured out, I'm sure he had some say. Like, yeah, that's a good, good draft pick. But the one thing about that, I always thought it was a weird pick, not because of the player. I thought it was a weird pick because the fit. I didn't think the fit was good in his scheme anyway. And it's really not a good fit in Gus Bradley's scheme either, as we all could tell. Arnett is a man-to-man DB. He, he doesn't play zone very well, as we all saw in that Miami Dolphin game last year. He gets lost in space. So he's a guy that, in theory, and I say that in air quotes, Theory, he is an old-school style Raider DB, beat you up on the line of scrimmage, make you work for everything, you know. But it's also very difficult to play that style in 2020 and 2021 and not get hit with a boatload of penalties. And that's something that 
he did get at Ohio State was penalties. He was an older draft pick. I mean, there was a lot of different things that went into why it was a questionable decision. But yeah, but I think the biggest thing is that if it, if the system doesn't work, I feel like it's hard for any young player. I guess like sometimes talent is just going to win out. But you can go, you can do that around the board with any position. And if it's just a bad fit, it's just a bad fit. Agreed. So like you know, in the best case scenario, he could have went to a bump in like a bump and press man coverage team, and maybe he'd look average or, or like presentable on the field. Like uh, he's not going to hurt you, and he's not the worst option. But just right. with this system, he just looked bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and that's why I I question the fit. And I, I I use this example all the time. If you hire me, hire me to be a radio dude. Don't hire me to be a writer. I'm not a writer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be like I like you a lot. I'm going to hire him to write. Don't do that. I'm not a writer. I respect the hell out of writers like Vinny. Vinny's an outstanding writer. I'm a radio dude. Hire me to, to do what I do. Don't hire me to do something I'm not supposed to do. Don't make me be something that I'm not because I'm going to go back to telling you and doing what I know how to do, which is talking on the radio. It's just what I do. Uh, one more quick text. I'm sorry, Rossi. Hold on. One more quick text. And maybe this is a response to what I was just talking about. Compared to things that players like Tyreek Hill and Michael Vick have done, Damon Arnett didn't do much of anything, and nobody could have predicted the Henry Ruggs incident. He had no red flags for field issues. Now, I didn't include Ruggs in that. Let's just, let's just be specific. I didn't include Ruggs. I think that, for the most part, he's a good dude. I never said one thing about Ruggs off the field. Now, I know that the text said you can't blame him for what went on with Ruggs and what happened with Arnett. I get that. I never blamed him for what happened with Ruggs. What happened with Ruggs... Could have happened to anybody who's gone out and had, obviously, too many drinks and got behind the wheel of a car. And I know there's a lot of players in the league that have done it. I know there's a lot of people, including myself, that have done it. Not going to exclude myself. I've done it at, at, at a point in my life, too. I'm just being transparent and honest. Some people don't have the stones to do that. I do. I don't think you can sit there and say, well, what, he, what Tyreek Hill did and what Michael Vick did. Okay, I get it. But what Damon Arnett did was pretty bad. I don't think anyone, and I get it, it's social media, but one, he put his address on that social media, on that video. He was brandishing multiple firearms and telling someone he was going to kill them. That's actually terroristic threats if you want to be specific. That's pretty bad. No, it's not Tyreek Hill beating up his girlfriend, but, I mean, are we really talking about, well, this is bad or this is worse? Or, I mean, come on. Are we, are we that blinded by the colors of the guy's uh, jersey? Like that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty weak in my opinion. Bad is bad. I don't care how you look at it, bad is bad. And not only that, he had many off the field issues at Ohio State that the team was aware of. Yes, Kansas City went out on a limb and went and got Tyreek Hill after the horrific things he did at Oklahoma State that got him kicked out of school. Yes, I get that. But let's not just say, well, it wasn't as bad as what Tyreek Hill did or Michael Vick. I have a whole nother thoughts on, on Michael Vick. We're not going to go into that. We're not going to go on that rant. I'm not one that, you know, my evil is not as bad as your evil. You know what I mean? Like, bad is bad, regardless how you look at it, in my opinion. And Ruggs is a completely different issue. Terrible decision by a young man. Threw his life away and, unfortunately, caused a, a tragedy where another life was lost. Tina Tentor. Tragic. 23-year-old young lady from Las Vegas, minding her business. Didn't have nothing to do with the situation. Just got a text from John. Q, can we get you on for five minutes on Thursday? Don't even know who that is. (laughs) 
Don't even know. Good text message. 223 is the time. Let's go out to Rossi calling in from Australia. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, man. Um, just listening to, to the last 20 minutes of you talking, and suddenly everything I wanted to talk about, I just need to bring it back. So first and foremost, in regard to uh, Arnett as a character, look, Mayock and, and Gruden back in 19 certainly hit on the foundation players, and 2020 seemed to be uh, the, the, the draft of let's just try and convert people. Um, Gunther, we already know, didn't use Littleton in the right spot, didn't use Joyner for the right reasons, and, and Arnett is, is exactly the same. From a character point of view, should never have been drafted, in my opinion, um, just from what I've heard about everything that has off, has, or was happening off-field. Um, I think Mayock deserves an opportunity, but the funniest thing with that is that he's, he carries the, the title of GM, um, and so he's not necessarily, if you give him, I, I think you've actually got to give him two more years rather than just one and hopes he hits a, another 2019. Uh, some of the guys he's brought in, people like Perryman, uh, certainly deserve uh, plaudits from, from that point of view, and obviously that's, again, uh, a Gus Bradley guy. Uh, so from a front office point of view, that's just my view. Getting to OBJ, uh, I've, I've just been listening to, to, to a couple of other stations, and they've, they've all said, for various different teams, there are 25 other wide receivers that are better than OBJ in the league at the moment. Uh, if you could draft a wide receiver... Where would he go? And I have to agree with that. And I don't want to stifle the development of an, of an Edwards or take away the targets or the importance of a Renfro. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson, yeah, he's going to stretch the field and, and, and that's, that's his game. But I, I don't want ABJ being around. I, I agree with you that uh, Devontae Adams is, is really the, the guy that we need to be going after. Uh, and that's Next season, this season, uh, let's just put the Giants game. The Giants game's over. It's film. Let's improve. Let's get back into the X's and O's and bring the intensity that uh, started, started us winning games and starting the season as we did. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you for your patience too, my man. You know me, man. The one uh, thing that I do I, and, and I need to do better at it is I get on a roll and I don't know how to shut the hell up. So uh, thank you for your patience, but really good call. Uh, lots of good stuff to unpack there. I, I do like that. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I just think that um, – and, and this is, again, just me talking. I think that Mayock does deserve, and I guess deserve maybe is a, is a harsh – not a harsh word, but a, a, a word we use too much. Like, I don't know if anyone really deserves anything, but I think he should receive the opportunity to show what he could do on his own. I think that he's a really good draft mind but that's based off what I know from seeing him on TV like the rest of us. I don't I have not got a chance to sit down and talk with him and just pick his brain and then prove that hey, what he just told me was spot on. You know what I mean? Like we feel like we know these guys better than we really do. And that goes with players too. When you see a guy get drafted and you're like, "Oh, that's a great pick." It might not be. He might end up being a bum. And then there might be a great pick that's like, "Whoa, that guy was great." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just you don't know. 
And I guess bum was a little harsh. But, I mean, you understand what I'm saying. Not the guy that you lived up, that you thought that he was going to be when he was drafted at number, you know, say number four overall, Cleo, Cleo Farrell. He's not a bum. But I just think that there's a, there's a you know, there's an unfortunate where he's not getting the, you know, he's not getting on the, on the field as much. He's not getting as much burn right now. And I think he's a good player. I remember him at Clemson. He was outstanding. I was excited about him when I saw him at Jerry's World against Notre Dame. I even suggested that the Raiders go draft him. I just don't know. It hasn't worked out for him the way that he would like it to or anybody in Raider Nation. Some of that's on him. Some of that's also on the fact that the Raiders probably drafted him too high. But, again, that's, that's, that's the problem with the draft. It's not an exact science. Speaking of the draft, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, he'll join us next. He'll talk about the draft, talk about different teams' approaches, his thoughts on what he thinks uh, is going on with the silver and black and the way that they've selected some folks in the first round that just haven't shaken out the way that you know anyone would want it to and, and what they do moving forward and his thoughts on Mike Mayock. We'll get all that next live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. 2.32 2.32 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ here in Henderson. Damon Cotton, he's back in the home studio. I'm your boy Q. Had a lot of good text messages and calls we've gotten to, and we do have a bunch of calls that we'll get to in just a few. We're efforting right now Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we were talking in the last segment. I really got into a pretty spirited conversation about uh, bad players or, or bad character players and what what character or what bad thing is worse than the other and I kind of clump them into the same conversation you know it's like hey man there's I don't really look at it like well that that's worse than what this guy did and that's worse than what that guy did look if you're a bad dude you're a bad dude bottom line you know if you got some bad tendencies you got some bad tendencies and that's what part of the drafting job is is trying to find those guys and that's something we heard Mike Mayock say for how long leading up to the drafts High character guys, guys that love football. High ca- That's why I asked him the question I asked him immediately following Levi uh, Damian's question about Damon Arnett and his characters. I said, well, you talked about high characters. Was the reward bigger than you thought of the risk? And he basically said yes. And that's cool. I respect that because sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes there's guys in life that get a pass because, well, what they can do is just better than what everyone else can do. <laughs> and you just say, you know what? Yeah, this guy is going to be a little edgy and we're going to have to – Probably really pay attention to this dude, but what he can do is better than everyone else, and so we're going to just do it. That's just that's life. That's how it is. I couldn't tell you how many times I passed a grade where I probably didn't have any business passing that grade, but I, I wasn't a dummy. They knew I wasn't a dummy, and they also said, hey, this guy, let's just move him on. He's okay. He'll be fine. I'm not saying it's right. It just happens. Right now on the phone lines, we do have Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Austin Gale. And thank you so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you, uh, as always. And we were talking about the draft, and we were talking about Damon Arnett and Ruggs, both of those guys, 2020 draft, uh, you know, first-round picks, and neither one of them with the team. Ruggs for one reason, Arnett for another. So I'll focus on Arnett because Ruggs, we all know, tragic, awful. Uh, that's just something that we just we hate to see, but it, it happened. Now we're looking at Arnett, and this was something that 
a, a lot of people, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way, was preventable as far as the Raiders having to deal with this. When you look at Arnett, you look where he was drafted in the first round, and the fact that Mike Mayock said there was plenty of character concerns about him coming out of Ohio State. What are your thoughts, and where did you have him rank coming out uh, of college? Yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation, obviously, for Damon Arnett, because I believe that you know expectations were set too high for him. I thought he was a, even on just on-field count alone, a day-two player, a late second, early third-round type of player. And then you throw in the fact that there was obvious character concerns. You had Chris Carter say that he is not mature enough to go to the NFL, who was talking with him a ton in the pre-draft process. I mean, there was too, you know, there's just too much information available on Damon Arnett to make him the 19th overall selection and then bring, you know, give him the expectations that come with being a top 20 pick. And a lot of people say, okay, if you draft him in the second round or if you draft him in the third round, he'd still be a bust because he's already out of the league. Well, I think a lot is different when you are a late second, early third round pick and that you aren't expected to come in and start right away. You aren't expected to to live up to such high expectations out of the gate. And that can cripple people. It can really make things difficult to live up to those expectations when they are set that high. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And, and again, there was a lot, and you, you said it right there, you know, a, a late second-round pick, early third-round pick, but Mike Mayock and John Gruden, not going to, you know, uh, solo out one person. I'm going to make sure that they're joined at the hip. They decided that that was a good pick in number 19. What would, in your mind, what makes you think, or what, what, what kind of goes into the thought process, do you think, of a team that just kind of goes off of everyone else's board, where everyone kind of has a consensus board, and then there's this team's board, and they decide that, hey, at 19, this is worth the risk? Yeah, my, my opinion of you know, the consensus board stuff is that like, you can't independently go off a consensus board. You need to factor in your scheme, your personnel, your coaching staff. So much is – that's why boards should vary. It isn't because of – I think there's enough information and enough – you know, ambiguity and evaluation that if you took a consensus board for evaluation alone, I think you'd be in a very good position to draft talented players at value spots. Now, you need to cater your board to the defense you run, the coaches you have, the depth you have at certain positions, when he'll see the field, etc. And with consensus boards and the information you have available, there's zero reason to overdraft the player because you like him so much. It doesn't make a ton of sense to not factor that into your draft decision-making. I mean, look at what the Raiders have done with Josh Jacobs, um, obviously Jonathan Abram, Alex Leatherwood, even going back to Colton Miller. These are players that, yeah, Colton Miller has panned out. He's a top-ten graded offensive tackle. That was been, has been a huge hit for this team. But you're still drafting him so far above media consensus. And when you look at some of the data that you have and how rare those players that you do reach on actually pan out to those expectations, you need to be factoring those consensus boards into your process and avoiding such obvious reaches, and if you do like Damon Arnett, trying to draft him in the second round rather than overdrafting him is probably the better option. Talking right now with Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So, I mean, if you're just like we are and we're kind of trying to figure out and scatter shoot and think what's going to happen next year, and I know it's way too early to figure out what's going on next year, but, I mean, do you think that Mike Mayock has earned the right to at least come back next year go through the draft process and show what he can do without a, a larger-than-life person kind of rubber stamp and everything like John Gruden did? So this is the ultimate question with the Raiders and with Mike Mayock, and I think the answer is baked into who is making these picks. 
did John Gruden have final say or did Mike Mayock have final say? Because there's not a lot of reasons to keep Mayock in this process if it was Mike Mayock making the final call on these. Now, there's a lot of rumors and there's a lot of reason to think that John Gruden was ultimately the player make or the person making these selections. And if that's the case, Mike Mayock has been hamstrung in what he's been able to do in these drafts anyway. And I think right. if Mike Mayock is given the opportunity to scout and evaluate and pick in the 2022 NFL draft, that's all the evidence you need to understand that John Gruden was in complete autonomous control of these staff. Now, if he's fired, I think a lot will be different. I think a lot of people will see that Mike Mayock had a big helping hand in making these decisions. Right, you know, and, and that's really the ultimate question that we have. And, and I can't tell you, I do know that you know, John Gruden had a, 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 obviously a lot of say in the organization. He was probably the most powerful person in the organization, not named Mark Davis. So I, I feel like he had the rubber stamp and, and had the final say on everything. But again, without being in the room, Austin, it's like, I can't really say that for 100%. You know what I mean? Like, if that makes sense. No, 100%. I think it's been a lot of rumors. You know, some people say they had two different draft boards, and you know, there's all these different things that Mike Mayock picked on day three, and John Gruden makes selections on days one and two. Like, a lot of people have said a lot of different things. The proof will come when, if Mike Mayock's still GM and in the 2022 draft, you will know that John Gruden had such a big, was such a big factor in all this. And from there, I think that's when you find out how they actually go forward. Right, no doubt. And I'm glad you mentioned day three because if you look at the history of it, as we go back and look through the draft since Mike Mayock has been a part of the team, you're seeing the later round picks are panning out in a major way. You have Hunter Renfro, you have Max Crosby, you know, you have uh, you have guys like Nate Hobbs this year. I mean, you have guys in later rounds that are really shining. So what, in your opinion, makes it a little bit, I don't want to say easier because I don't think anything's easy, but to hit on the later round picks as opposed to the early picks? Yeah, I think a lot of, it does pay dividends or at least pay more evidence to that Mike Mayock was making decisions or at least there was more collective decision-making on day three than there was maybe autonomous decision-making on days one and two because a lot of the picks that they have have been not just successful, but they're also on the football team, right? Like they, Amik Robertson's still on the team. John Simpson is still on the team. Max Cosby is having a ton of success. Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs is one of the highest grade corners. Like their day three selections are not crapshoots, in my opinion. That is calculated decision-making by this Raiders organization. I think you have to admit or have to hope that Mike Mayock has been a part of those decisions. It's a big reason why that the Raiders factor him in their plan. Right, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Austin Gale here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920s from Pro Football Focus. Does a fantastic job there. And how about a couple of the guys? I mean, you mentioned Nate Hobbs is playing really well. Max Crosby, of course, is having an outstanding season. Uh, Pro Football Focus, you guys do a great job just with the numbers and, and, and giving a great grade on what these guys are doing. One guy I wanted to ask you about was Andre James. He's the center. He started out the season really slow. There was times when people thought maybe they should bench him and put Nick Martin in. The last few weeks, he's played a lot better. You can see him improving. What have you been seeing from Andre James, Apparently, the, especially the last couple games? Yeah, I mean, it's fewer mistakes in pass protection. Andre James, to start the season, was the lowest-graded center in all of football. Now he's improved a lot, and I think you've seen that in uh, – it hasn't come up as ton as a run blocker. He has played a lot better in pass protection. It's, it's something that I think does take time, like no – the people that expected him to come out of the gate and be Rodney Hudson, I think, you know, did not set proper expectations for Andre right. James. Now, did it take time for him to develop? Also, there was no consistency at guard, either guard spot. You had people getting hurt. You had, right. you know, you had Alex Leatherwood getting kicked inside. I think that consistency is super important as well. We oftentimes see high correlations to, you know, consistency along the offensive line being such a big factor in limiting pressure rate. It's definitely a cohesive unit needed to start to grade better as a unit. 
Right, and I'm glad you mentioned the guard play because I wanted to ask you about both of those guys. Leatherwood has been kicked inside the guard, feels like he's playing better. He is a rookie, so of course he's still going to learn the game. And then John Simpson, he was a guy who wasn't even expected to start. You know, Richie Incognito was supposed to be the guy, but because of injury, John Simpson's the dude there at the left guard position. So what have you seen from those two guys? How have you seen them continue to get better with that consistency? No, it's a hundred percent fact that you know Alex Leatherwood has been playing a lot better at guard. You know, Dane Brugler of the Athletic didn't even have Alex Leatherwood listed as an offensive tackle in his draft board because he felt the athletic and movement limitations that Leatherwood had would ultimately kick him inside the guard. Now, did the Raiders expect that? You have to hope not. Drafting a guard as high as they did, especially a project guard, doesn't make a ton of sense now. But I do think he can develop into a very promising guard prospect. Will he ever get kicked back outside the tackle? I think that would honestly stunt his development. I think they're better off playing him now at guard and trying to move him forward at guard into having you know, a, a capable interior offensive lineman like they had with Gabe Jackson back in the day or Coletto Semele, the veteran that they signed in for agency. I think that's something that they want to chase with Alex Leatherwood. And I think that development takes time. Colt Miller did not grade well as a rookie. He was right. hurt a lot of that season, and it took time for him to develop. We oftentimes see the best offensive line prospects not grade out of the gate. You know, Tristan Works the former first-rounder for the Bucks is an outlier in that he hit the ground in a full sprint. You have to give these guys time. It's oftentimes that the third year is where you're really evaluating whether or not that pick, especially in the first round, is a hit or not along the offensive line. Absolutely, and it does look like I said they're improving uh, week to week, and we'll see they'll have a big test coming up this week against the Kansas City Chiefs and that that uh, defensive line that they have they can't get to the quarterback. And, Austin, before we let you go, my guy DeMond Cotton back in the home studio, he wanted to ask you a question as well. Go ahead, DeMond. All right, Austin, i got to ask, because you put it in your bio, how Chad Johnson loves you. How, where's the <laughs> bromance at with you and Chad Johnson? Dude, I, this is uh, actually an incredible story. It was a couple of days ago, and I was tweeting about, maybe it was last week, I was saying that Odell Beckham Jr.'s best landing spot was Baltimore. And he, who I have not met before, and even though he is here in Cincinnati, that's where PFF is based out of. I haven't run into him. He doesn't follow me on Twitter. I don't follow him. He quote tweeted telling me that his best spot was like Green Bay or something. And then I said, I'm sorry, Chad, kind of as a joke. And then he said he loves me. So he loves me. And I said, I love him back. So me and Chad are bros now. Now, see, I got to take a little bit of offense to that. Cause I, and, and maybe you can ask him since that's your homeboy. He has me blocked on Twitter, and I don't know what I did. But he has me blocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I see him, obviously, when we get together all the times that we will, I'm sure we will. Uh, I'll definitely mention it to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that's going to be a good conversation that you guys have. And uh, Austin, uh, again, before we let you go, I did have one more question I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple of the players that are on, the young dudes that are on the Raiders defense, and that's uh, safety Jonathan Abram, who looks like he's playing better this year in a different type of role, and then the free safety, second-round pick out of TCU, Trayvon Merrick. What have you seen from those two, and in particular Merrick, how, how much has he helped uh, Jonathan Abram play the role that he's playing now? Starting with Jonathan Abram, I mean, it's similar to the Alex Leatherwood situation in that they moved him to a lower-value position, a position that better fits his skill set, and he's having more success. Jonathan Abram is a glorified linebacker at this point and thriving. I mean, he is not being asked to be a liability on the back end. He's being asked to play downhill a lot more, and that's – when we were scouting him out of Mississippi State, I had an opportunity to talk to him in that pre-draft process. We felt – his best role was a kind of box safety, if not linebacker role at the next level, similar to Keanu Neal. That was his comp. And guess what? Mike McCarthy now has Keanu Neal playing linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. So I do think that he's playing a lot better. And then as for Trayvon Merrick, the biggest thing you're looking for from a player that plays as much deep, single high safety as Trayvon Merrick and Gus Bradley's defense is limiting mistakes. And that has been such a massive highlight. He's played more snaps 
than any defensive rookie this season. And to do that out of the gate with even some of the COVID-impacted stuff from the 2020 season coming from TCU, a completely different defensive scheme than what Bradley's asking him to do, I think that's really special. I think he's a guy that year, year two, year three, it'll go from not limiting, you know, limiting mistakes to actually making splash plays on the back end. Right, absolutely. Well, I'm excited about the progress of young Merrig and uh, seeing what Jonathan Abram is doing this year. Again, it's a lot better. It's night and day compared to what he had and what he did the first couple seasons in the silver and black. Well, Austin, great stuff as always. What do you have coming out on Pro Football Focus? What should we be on the lookout for as you guys do a fantastic job over there? Yeah, back half of the season, you know, a lot of our focus is still on, you know, fantasy football and betting and also, you know, grading every single player in college and NFL level, but we're also Already looking ahead to the offseason, we have a top 100 draft board for the 2022 draft and top 50 free agents list also out as well. Really excited about this offseason. A lot of potential there with Aaron Rodgers maybe on the move, Devontae Adams potentially on the move. Should be quite the offseason. Let me ask you this. Who's the, who's the consensus number one quarterback right now coming up in the draft? The, the crazy thing is the consensus is there isn't a consensus. Okay. You know, there's a lot of different quarterback <laughs> prospects that you know, a lot of people like Matt Corral, a lot of people like Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. All those are in the conversation. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. I don't think we'll really know who the consensus QB1 is in this class, probably until the combine, because you need to see some of the athletic testing for these guys, and you need to see them in high-pressure situations. I mean, you saw Sam Howell against the undefeated Wake Forest team, put up, you know, 50-plus points and beat Sam Hartman in that game. Those are the games that will define what these quarterback prospects ultimately are in the upcoming draft. Nice. I like it. Well, Austin, great stuff, my man. I definitely appreciate you making some time for us. Again, Austin Gale, Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. And with us here on Unnecessary Roughness. Thank you so much for your time, my man. We'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, there he goes, Austin Gale, fantastic stuff. And it's great, man, we were talking, uh, and I didn't check the text line, and then all of a sudden got a text from uh, Soul Patrol Raider. It says, Q, I know it may be too late, but could you ask Austin Gale about the improvement of Andre James? He was top grader Raider last game on Pro Football Focus, has improved tremendously since the Denver game. Great minds think alike, Soul Patrol. <laughs> great minds think alike. Appreciate that. One more text, and then we'll take a break. 805 Raider, unless you want to go to the top. Do you want to go to the top, Damon? <laughs> Overruled. Anyway, 805 Raiders said Raiders didn't have a second-round pick in 2020. Pretty sure Mayock wanted A.J. Terrell from Clemson. He was gone by 19. And I agree, and I said that earlier in the show, that that was actually the guy that I selected and thought that it would have been a great combination, him and Terrell, uh, or Terrell, um, um, uh, Trayvon Mullen, excuse me, uh, both guys out of Clemson. I thought that would have been a great one-two punch. But, yeah, the Atlanta Falcons had grabbed him before he was available. So, uh, again, we don't know because Mike Mayock's not going to come out and say, yeah, I wanted Terrell, but he was gone. He's not going to say that. But thank you, 805 Raider, for that text. I do appreciate you. And thanks to Austin Gale for blessing the airwaves from Pro Football Focus. 249 is the time. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a couple minutes in this hour. We'll get John McClain from the Houston Chronicle to join us at 3 o'clock to talk all things NFL. Many thanks to Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus joining us in the last segment. This show goes by so fast. Man, I know why I wanted that four hours on Friday because, man, that's just about right. I might have to talk to the man that talks to the man that sits next to the man that talks to the other man. See if I can get extra hours around here. This show really is awesome. Thank you to Raider Nation, of course. All the texts and calls that we get. It's fantastic. You make this show what it is, and I definitely appreciate you for that. Let me get to a couple texts real quick while I'm talking. How about this one? 
Do you think Mark Davis is looking for a leader who can lean in all football as could lead in all football aspects like he thought he had in Gruden? In that case, given Mayock's lack of experience, would Davis feel comfortable with Mayock as a leader going forward, especially with the recent press issues? That is a fantastic text message and a fantastic question. That is one of the things, and I'll tell you, man, uh, I really respect the hell out of Mark Davis. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he continues to do a fantastic job. And I know just even being here at the building, how, you know, people, you could just see the, you know, when people enjoy coming to work, people enjoy coming to work here. They do. I could tell that from the minute I walk in the front door and they say, hey, Q, how you doing? And everyone's just really cool. And it's not because they say, hey, Q, to me that they enjoy their job. But you could just tell when people are miserable in their job and when people enjoy their job. This is a, 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 a really good place to work. You don't have to be a Raider fan to work here. I think that a lot of people enjoy their job. I think that Mike, uh, Mike uh, excuse me, Mark Davis does a really good job and has done a really good job. And that's a good question. There may be a time when he says, hey, I need to lean on someone. Like he tried with Reggie McKenzie when he hired Reggie McKenzie as a GM. He said, hey, I'm not a football operations guy. I need to hire one. He, and that's, that shows you the sign of true leadership right there when you know what you're really good at and what you're not. And you can admit that. And not just say, oh, I can do it because my dad did it. I can do it. No. Know what you do really well. Own that. I just gave this piece of advice to someone when I was driving over here, matter of fact. Someone called me in the business and said, Q, what should I do? And I said, hey, whatever your area of expertise is, own it. Whatever you're not good at, that's fine. You can learn it and you can get better at it. But own what you're great at. Make yourself the best at what you do. That's what Mark Davis did. He's the he he made himself, he knows what he does really well and said, I'm going to go ahead and take advantage and, and do this really well and I'm going to lean on others to do what I don't do really well or don't know, which is the football operation. So that's a great question. In his mind, he has to sit down and come to that conclusion. I'm sure he's got a great team around him that he's going to talk to, but he's got to come up with that answer. That's a really good question. I really do appreciate that. Uh, and one quick text from Kevin. At the end of the day, after everything that's happened to the Raiders this year, you can't put up with what Arnett did. Car crashes and threatening to kill someone. Last thing the Raiders needed, especially from a player that has struggled on the field. And that's the key, and then I'll take a break. That is the key. There's a lot that you don't like about Arnett and his, his struggles off the field. And I'm not saying that the Raiders would stand for this because Mike Mayock was very adamant that that's not going to fly with the Raiders, what he did, especially in that video with all the guns and everything. But as we've seen throughout the course of the NFL, some guys, a lot of guys, get passes because of their ability. If they're shining on the field, and I'm not saying this is the case, if they're shining on the field, sometimes teams will overlook their issues off the field. It's just a fact of life. Arnett was in a bad position. That's why I said that on, on Friday. Someone needs to sit him down and tell him he's throwing his career away. Not only is he doing dumb stuff off the field, he's not performing on the field. Those two together really made it an easy decision to move on from Damon Arnett. 2.57 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number three of Unnecessary Roughness. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle will join us to talk all things NFL. This 